0: Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Strength in Words is to share that information by offering parent education programming and to promote caregiver-baby interaction by offering a supportive, uplifting space for all families to connect and learn through information, access to new ideas, and access to each other. This podcast was recorded with a live virtual audience and followed by a question and answer workshop with our guest. To be part of the next live workshop and to connect with a community of support, you can join the Strength in Words community lab by heading to community.strengthinwords.com. If you enjoy this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? hello to your child's name hello to your name hello 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 everybody hello everybody hello 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 today we are speaking with dr sarah mitchell a chiropractor turned sleep consultant who has a wonderfully inclusive approach to an often divisive topic let's give her a warm special welcome Hello to Sarah, hello to Sarah. Hello, 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 hello. Hello hello to all our new friends. Hello to all our old friends. Hello, hello, hello. One last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody. It's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 63 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today I am speaking with Dr. Sarah Mitchell, who is a sleep consultant, chiropractor, and the owner of the website Helping Babies Sleep. Sarah's own experience with sleepless nights due to postpartum anxiety and a crying baby left her searching for answers of her own. And she now works to empower tired, frazzled parents to get their children to sleep and helps by educating parents on age-appropriate sleep needs and sleep options. Sarah, thank you for being here. Welcome to Strength in Words.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be part of your community and sharing some, some different perspectives and some educational information for your, your listeners.
0: Fantastic. That is what we aim to do in general at Strength in Words. So we're very happy to have you be part of that. And today I've asked you to come onto the show to speak about the ways in which development can affect sleep changes in those early months and years, but first, I want to hear a bit about you and what brought you to the kind of work that you're doing today, and you know why you're so passionate about it.
1: Well, I'm so passionate about sleep just because I need a lot of it. <laughs> and I <really> like it. <laughs> so when like I I really need a lot of sleep. I need at least nine hours to feel good. And when I had a child, like that just completely rocked my world. (laughs) And, you know, I come from, chiropractors tend to be more, you know, holistic and natural. So that's where I was coming from. I had a midwife for my birth and a doula. And I planned on like baby wearing and feeding on demand and all that great stuff for, you know, months and months to come. And I was so confident I was going to be so great at all of this that I'd actually (laughs) registered for a Pilates class four weeks postpartum, like in advance of my birth. Like now I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I was so overconfident um and then things did not go as planned which I'm sure many of our listeners today can relate to right like mm-hmm. parenting is you know you think you're this organized type a make things happen kind of gal and then parenting fits in like all of your expectations you go out the window and you realize you have to reassess how you parent and how you are as a person and just like things in general exactly so, yeah <laughs> I think so, we
0: fun. we're so familiar with that that idea of you know and we've had a guest on the Strength and Words podcast recently who said, I was the best parent before I had kids,
2: right?
1: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was. So I mean, things, things went sideways from our birth. My son was 10 pounds, four ounces. I was nice. undiagnosed gestational diabetes. Like oh. I tested negative at the test, but I actually had him. He came out, he got stuck in the shoulders. My doula was in tears at my birth. Like That kind of goes to show you how, how things go. And then, you know, that just started us on a really bad sleeping path. And my son mm. would not sleep. And I was waking every two hours to nurse him back to sleep. And the baby wearing just didn't really work because it's put so much pressure on the whole downtown area. Mm. And then, there, you know, then there was the <laughs> night that I heard him crying for me. And I looked, because we were co-sleeping, kind of more out of desperation than really the natural parenting thing. But, you know, you do what you got to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I heard him crying and I, I looked for him beside me and, was there and I was kind of groggy. And then I start, you know, frantically going through the sheets trying to find him. My heart just racing. And he had been safely stowed in the bass net beside my bed. Because I'd been so tired that I'd forgotten that I'd put him. And I was like, okay, this is not working for us at that point. Yeah. It's just not working for us. Mm-hmm. And so I used my academic training as a chiropractor just to read. I read everything out there that was available on sleep. And there's very actual, very few scientific studies yes. out there. Um, and I read just the different techniques, the books, and I put a plan into place for our family to get us sleeping more than, you know, two hours at a time and, and to stop using the boob as a suitor. Cause that's what I had been doing. Mm-hmm. And by the time he was four months, he was 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I was say a lot of good fatty milk, but I just kept, I didn't know what else to do. Like I, that was what I had been ingrained with with you know, it was just feed him the just feed That's what
0: it was. So right. I, and I, and just to say out there, that is something that many of us do and there is nothing wrong yeah, with doing that. No. There no, is no. nothing wrong. Like Sarah, I know you and I know your philosophy and I think that it's important that people understand that you are very much of the mind that, like clearly that's what you wanted to do, but it just wasn't working for you. Exactly. And that's okay. Philosophy
1: is whatever works for you works, yeah. that's awesome. Yes. I'm just hearing my story about I felt, you know, how it didn't work for me in the end. You yeah. know, I was hoping it would. Yep. And, and, and move from there. So, anyway, so yeah, so I started getting into sleep consulting. Mm-hmm. because by of the time when you finally when I took that back and he started getting the sleep and making the changes to have him happier mm-hmm. even though he was happy to begin with but once he got more sleep he was happier mm-hmm. so that's how I kind of got into it and I, I really enjoy it because the people that reach out to me you know they've had a journey like I have something they're struggling with something and they want yeah. some insight so it's just a way I really enjoy empowering parents and particularly the moms who have been you know struggling
0: Yes. <laughs> well, I love that you pointed out how few scientific studies there are, because as we know, sleep tends to be one of these sort of highly divisive topics in early parenting. And I do think that new parents often come into parenthood like you did and like I did Certainly with a particular philosophy or sort of expectation about what's going on or what's going to happen or how we're going to deal with that sleep deprivation, which we know is coming. And then our own realities hit and maybe what we thought about ourselves or who our babies would be, you know, doesn't always turn out to be the case. And though some babies follow, uh, I think, what tends to be purported to be that sort of quote unquote typical sleep trajectory, some don't. And what we read about sleep is often based on theory instead of fact. And then personally, like in my own experience, I would, I'd try to say, follow the advice of one of those sleep experts and then feel like a complete failure because My baby was, say, not interested in falling asleep on his own. And I was telling you, Sarah, before we started this interview, that now that I have two little people, I realize how much of our own opinions are based on our own experiences, right? And especially because my baby, my second baby, was one of, I like to call him one of those unicorn babies who actually just wanted to be put down and be able to fall asleep on his own, which of course, as I said, was completely the opposite of my first. I was like, oh my God, what? (laughs) This this does happen. It wasn't me, right? So taking that pressure off and then, you know, all that said, we, we have certain preconceived notions about also what hiring a sleep consultant means or even what a sleep consultant does. So I would love it if you could just sort of talk to us about some of those misconceptions that you face as a sleep consultant and, you know, feel free to sort of blow those myths out of the water for us.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, the first one I get a lot of is you know, I don't want to do CIO cry it out. Uh-huh. So uh, the first question I ask is what does cry it out mean to you? Because to me, cry it out means extinction. It means to close the door and not return. And I, I do not, subscribe to that train of mm-hmm. thought i really believe that we treat our children with respect and if i was that child i would want to be acknowledged and know that i've hurt. so you know i would say that most sleep consultants i'm not really sure but don't do this whole cry it out mm, okay what a sleep consultant does is educates you about your child's age-appropriate sleep needs so at each month you know i have a chart that tells you how much overnight sleep your child needs how much nap hours and then your total that you're eating for. And that number is really, I find it very accurate. When your child reaches those goals, you will notice a change in their disposition. So if they're really underneath it, they're kind of you know crankier and harder to put down. And then once you get there, things are much, much easier with their disposition and their ability to fall asleep and then stay asleep. So, mm. Uh, A sleep consultant educates you about how much those needs are. Also educates you about different sleep training techniques. Now, personally, I am self-taught, so I have read all the different things and incorporated things from my own experience and I've kind of put my own program together depending who you hire may have a specific tool of thought that they follow so that's a good question to answer do you have many techniques or do you follow one technique Mm. and most of us like what I do is I look at a person's parenting history the age of your child is so important because some techniques work better with smaller kids but they don't work as well with older kids and, and take all that into consideration and then also your timeline like what's your you know, do you want to make changes fast and make it, you know, really consistent about your message about how sleep happens and make those changes really quickly? Or do you want to like go really slow and change like kind of one thing at a time and work on, you know, work for, for a longer period of time. Mm. And, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. And, you know, when I'm working with someone, what we do is we, my one-to-one and we share a Google sheet so that you log your child's activity. And then I hop on and see how things are going, make suggestions for timing. Timing is so important. Yeah. And you know, what is reasonable. So I think a lot of people when they start sleep training on their own, one of the reasons people fail is that they're not setting their child up for success with reasonable expectations. So mm-hmm. maybe they're expecting like their, you know, three month old breastfed baby to sleep 11 to 12 hours at night. Well, in my world, I don't think that's reasonable. And I also think it could hurt your milk supply if you're not keeping that night feed at that age. And so that's maybe not something that I would promote. But then, you know, there are other people out there who will tell you, oh yeah, I have a fever cold, I breastfed and slept 11 hours, you know. It, it, exactly,
2: works, I just, yeah. I
1: feel like <laughs> I am on the conservative side of things. Got
2: it, okay, um, interesting. Because,
1: I, yeah. Well, that's kind of what a sleep consultant do. Look at your activity, look at your history, see where you may be going wrong and make suggestions for changes and guide you through that process.
0: And it sounds like just the idea that you help educate families, not only on what their choices are, but what that implication is. And that for me, gosh, I mean, that sounds like something I could have really used. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And especially in those early days, because especially if you are making specific decisions about what you want for your baby and your own sleep needs or philosophies, you also, like when you're in that early, early parenting days and months, you can't, you're so sleep deprived too that like you can't even imagine sleeping again. And the idea, I remember feeling two times around that like, even though I knew like, oh my God, this is going to be my life for the next 18 years. This is horrible. Like, I can't do this. right? And we know that things change and things shift and sleep also is affected by developmental changes. And we're going to hear much more about that in just a few minutes, but it, just to have someone like like you, Sarah, would have been really useful to have some sort of guide to, to help families feel like, okay, this is what's happening right now. Here are some ways to shift that and and you can do it this way or that way. And it totally just depends on your own priorities
2: as a family.
1: Yeah. And on that note, like most sleep consultants, most sleep training packages don't start until four or six months. You know, those first three hmm. months, if you see someone on, you know, sleep consultant that has a newborn package, that's not sleep training. That's about, you know, learning to read your child cues more easily so for example I really confused hunger with or fatigue with hunger so I kept feeding him when he was supposed to be napping kind of thing mm. so the newborn stuff will teach you more of those things rather than like a cried out sleep training option that's not what's happening in those newborn stages interesting And letting you know okay at 10 weeks is when that whole witching period in the evening might start to recede and that's when you want to try and like bump up your bedtime a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and awake times too the most common parenting error is keeping our kids awake too long mm-hmm. and in the newborn stages really more like, you know, just telling a parent, like, you're in charge of deciding when nap time is. So you don't want to keep your child up too long, mm-hmm. because then it's harder to get them to fall asleep and stay asleep. That's a whole sleep against sleep idea, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's what the newborn <laughs> step is. in the four to six months and older, that's when you start getting into, like, okay, what are your sleep crutches? What is... What's that external thing that your child needs to help them relax into sleep Mm -hmm. that they need again when they wake up like, you know, every three hours through the night? What is it? That's your sleep bridge. How are we going to tackle that to start removing it so that your child can then develop self-soothing skills, right? Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. Those
1: skills that we all have that help us relax down into sleep at night. And that's really what sleep training is, educating you on sleep needs and then how are we going to conquer the the crutch basically how are we going to take that away so that soft soothing skills can start to appear and then in my program too we talk about like maintaining your milk supply for breastfeeding and how are we going to manage night feeds depending on your child's your child's age so sleep training doesn't also necessarily mean getting rid of all those night feeds so that's like the common yes. misconception yes yes yeah. Yeah. So I think when we go back to that misconception thing is that what age of a child are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause mm-hmm. really it's most of them will be four months or old. And are you breastfeeding or formula feeding? Cause that will affect your child's ability to have certain amount of stretches at night. Mm-hmm. And what sleep training technique are we using? Because in my world, we're not using close closed door, not go back in. That's not a technique. That's just like one action.
0: So, mm-hmm. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. And again, that like, that is something that many people do and have done. And that is absolutely fine to make a decision for your own family that you want yes. to do yes if you do that
1: if you- it works great for some people. I just think if yeah. you're gonna pay someone to invest in coaching, that's you know,
0: there do other options before <laughs> you know, to to that. That's you know. yeah, oh, well, and actually that's a really important message, right? Like if if you want to hire a sleep consultant, you need more of that education, like you said. And if you're gonna do cry it out, then maybe just do cry it out without having to spend the money. Yeah,
1: <laughs> if maybe. that's what you're gonna that's, do. Yeah, the cry it out one is interesting. Because I have used that eventually. Yeah. So, first of all, temperament, like you mentioned before, it plays such a big influence. So, at least 50% of my clients are second or third time parents. Ah. I, what I worked, you know, what I did with the first one just doesn't work. Oh, or, interesting. Or you know, maybe it's that their lives are busier and they don't have the same amount of time to, you know, um, allocate. Right. To getting their child to sleep. Yeah, at least half are um, second or third time parents. Oh, fascinating. And, you know, there are kids I have used you know, after a couple of weeks of, you know, mom's presence being there to offer reassurance and then we're doing checks and that's not helping either. And then we're like, I think it's time is to close the door on this one. Even though I hate it, but you have given so much of your time at this mm-hmm. point offering physical and verbal reassurance. You've been there, you've done that your presence just isn't helping. This is more now about your child's temperament than mm. setting up for success or delivering the same consistent message. We've done all that. And so we may resort to that, which I really don't like. And it's very rare. I might get like one or two of those like the entire year.
0: Wow. Which speaks to your other methodologies. So that's yeah. great. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> How nice that, that, that doesn't have to happen. And I think for people too, like that can be really reassuring that there are so many other techniques that sort of the general parent <laughs> doesn't yeah. know, right? Because so many of those books are either the gentle attachment parenting approach, quote unquote, or the hardcore cry it out. And there's nothing in between, but it sounds like from the perspective of a sleep consultant, there are many things yeah. If you can do in between.
2: I, hmm. I
1: think of the sleep training techniques as being existing on a continuum where you have like the no cry sleep solution by Elizabeth Cantlie, right? Which talks about fading, and then you have you know more of a like a, a sleep lady shuffle where you're in the room offering physical and verbal reassurance, and then you move further away to like an interval method where you're going back into the room and checking, yeah, and then ultimately on the very end is that close the door and not go back. Right. And, you know, with the with the average kid, not, this is a hard part, how do you know if your kid is average, but <laughs> more gentle ones can work if you have the time and the patience to dedicate to it and delivering that same consistent message over and over
0: again. It's hard, but it's there. Okay, cool. Let's take just a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to hear a few tips and resources from Sarah about development and sleep and additional resources she recommends for families interested in more we were not meant to parent in isolation the strength and words community lab brings you peace of mind you have what matters when you need it most we are your parenting brain trust the place where you can have adult conversations about your baby's babbling and where you're lifted up rather than bogged down if you are a parent or caregiver with an infant and or a toddler We are both an early parent support and parent education hub. We're a group of families connected by the shared experience of early parenthood and strong believers in the notion that co-parenting in a positive, nurturing environment can make us each stronger. The Community Lab is an all-in-one resource that is not one-size-fits-all. Join us in finding joy in the mayhem at community.strengthandwords.com. Okay, Sarah, so let's hear about those ways that development and sleep are correlated. We know that sleep changes often occur around developmental leaps and growth periods and, you know, as new skills are acquired and new milestones are met. So tell us a bit about these.
1: Okay, so these are probably referred to as sleep regression. So whenever you hear someone talking about sleep regression, know that it's caused by some sort of change that's happening in your child's life. And the most common one and one of the most shocking ones is that four-month sleep regression. Mm -hmm. And that's where you may have had a child who was sleeping a beautiful six hours of stretch who was now waking up every three hours at night because the nighttime sleep cycle is three hours. So your child surfaces and then wakes up looking for you. And the other symptom is that your naps become shorter, where they used to sleep longer. They're only sleeping 45 minutes, which is one daytime sleep cycle. And for four months, it can happen anywhere between like three and a half and four and a half months. The basic idea is that your child is gaining object permanence,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
1: So he or she knows where you are now and that if you're not in front of her, you're existing somewhere and where are you? And if I cry, will you come back and see me? Right. So yeah, the four months sleep regression is a big eye opener. And unfortunately in this country, it often coincides with when mothers are going back to work, which is really tough. Like If I if I had one life mission or one superpower, it would be to give American women at least six months of maternity leave so they can get their kids sleeping better and just kind of like get everything kind of under control a bit more than going back you know, four months
2: or earlier. Sarah um, for president. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe one day I'll do a TED talk about that. That's, you know, i I really feel passionate about that. Especially because I come from Canada where we had a year yeah. off, right? Right. Now that we, we talked about that briefly. That brings its own other ball of issues, but you know, for the mother baby unit it's extremely beneficial. Yeah, Yeah. so four and a half months, that that four months sleep progression. that's a big one. Nine months is another one. And that has to do more with separation anxiety.
0: Which also is connected as it happens to object permanence.
1: Yes, exactly. Nine months, you know, teething is another thing that causes sleep regressions. Often what will happen is your child, like all humans wake in the night, right? Mm -hmm. You and I, we wake up, change positions, check the clock. And children do something similar. But if they get all kinds of help falling asleep at night, they will require that same kind of help through the night. Once your child has some self-soothing skills where they sleep in a certain position or suck on their thumb or rub their head in the mattress, then they can roll over and put themselves back to sleep. When you are teething, your child surfaces and is then distracted by the discomfort in their gums, which mm-hmm. prevents them from falling back to sleep. In sleep aggressions, you may see more night waking, and you may also see early morning wake-ups. So like those five o'clock wake-ups, where again, your child surfaces from a sleep cycle, and then is distracted by that new motor skill that she's learning, wondering where you are now because she knows that you come and go, or your teeth. And so... That's basically in a nutshell, you know, how sleep regressions happen. And there's a bunch, right? Like nine months, 12 months, and they all vary in a little bit because our children develop a different, you know, we can give you guidelines, but really, you know, my child didn't walk at the same stage as yours did. Yours didn't get teeth the same age as mine did. So they're going to vary. Teething, walking, you know, first year molars at 12 months. And then in the toddler years, whoa, you know, there's so (laughs) much going on that you can't really see. You know, like 15 months, right? Like there's more of like, I want power. I'm testing out my opinions on the world. Language first at 22 months. 18 months is a really tough time as well. I hate saying all these because it just sounds like, oh my God, it never (laughs) ends. There's so much. much. (laughs) Right? There's just so much. And really like for sleep from my my perspective, like two and a half years, kind of like when kids will consistently sleep solidly through the night. Up until mm. that, you'll have weeks that are awesome and then something will happen. It's never, it's kind of like a moving target, the whole sleep thing. And obviously you can help by understanding what's going on, but also having a, you know, a child who has really strong self-sleeping skills so that they don't need you to help them back to sleep at every single night, late, Got it. every early morning.
0: Can so, you just tell us briefly what the difference in the kinds of suggestions that you give For a young infant who's going, say, through a sleep regression that you would give to a family that's dealing with something like that versus a a toddler at, say, 18 months who's going through a sleep regression due to things like, you know, motor skills and other cognitive and communication skills.
1: Right. So the first question I'll ask is, does your child, you know, so you're you're going through a bullet where things aren't going as well as they previously had been going?
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: The question to ask yourself is, you know, can my child put himself to sleep independently at bedtime? So can I put him down in the crib, calm but awake and walk him? Mm-hmm. Because If so, then your child has the skill mm-hmm. to do so in the night. Mm-hmm. And so what's bugging him? What's new that's preventing that from happening again? This is a different question. If you say, no, I you know I rock to sleep and I are a nurse to sleep. Well, then you need to provide that again in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. you can't just leave that person because she has no idea how to put herself back to sleep so then the question is what these regressions: is one does your child have is she he or she sleep trained and that becomes the root of your issue really and,
0: and for that meaning for you what that means is
1: being able to be put down in the crib from calm but awake as mom walks out and she or she babbles and food rolls over and puts herself to sleep. Right. And if that's not the case, then we have a bigger, you know, kind of issue. Mm-hmm. And how do we help kids? Let's suppose that your child has great self-soothing skills. How do we help kids then through these aggressions? Mm-hmm. The first thing is always offer more reassurance.
2: Mm-hmm. You've
1: been heard. I love using that sports caster voice, even when they're little, yeah. right? This is what's happening. I can tell that you're feeling this way. And I, and empathy, lots of empathy. I yeah. know that's so frustrating. Oh, I know you, I know you don't want to be awake right now. You're so tired. And offering more reassurance. You know, and a two-year-old is much more strong-willed than like a six-month-old. And a two-year-old knows that there's a TV out there or an iPad or whatnot. So I distinctly mm-hmm. remember the first time we hit one of those two-year-old regressions, watching Dora the Explorer at 3 a.m. because mm-hmm. we had no idea why our child was so upset okay oh god (laughs) yeah i'm like what's going on i have no idea what's going on so one of my first things is you know keep your boundaries so if you you know keep your child in your room at night you can always offer more physical and verbal reassurance but don't leave the room that's my first one Mm. and then if we're talking about like a smaller baby you know you want to be offering that much more reassurance comfort and whatnot and again what's bugging him what's the root of this issue and maybe at six months it's the teeth are coming through and teeth are tricky because the pain really comes before they pierce through. You can't see it; it's like a hindsight diagnosis. Right.
0: I mean, I feel like in the first year of life, especially with my first, we we just thought that he was constantly teething, even when <laughs> to do. Yeah. yeah, they
1: start drooling at four months. <laughs> right. You're like,
0: oh, pain. teething. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm not sure if I really answered your question there.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, I think you know it's all about just sort of figuring out how to balance that and what the differences are in in yeah. different
2: times. So that's well, definitely think, like, helpful
1: everyone mm-hmm. I, I feel like for myself and my clients it's so helpful because then it helps you my child definitely knows how to put herself to sleep and so when things start to blip now you're like oh something's going on what's yeah. is, is different what's bothering her you know the Whereas difference if you're, you're already waking up a few times every night to help your child back to sleep it, it might not even look that different mm-hmm. and it's really hard to tease out what the nuances are
0: that's a that's a really good point yeah. Okay. Well, that's super helpful, Sarah. And I hope that you can share with us a few of your favorite resources for families who'd like to learn more. You know, we'd love to hear about things that you can recommend that might help parents, you know, feel like they can make informed decisions and learn more about infant and toddler sleep.
1: Absolutely. Well, I have a whole bunch of posts on my own blog. Like I've written about every single milestone and different sleep training techniques and what's reasonable, in my opinion, for breastfed babies versus formula fed babies for night feeding that type of thing for newborns i love the app the Dunstan baby language Mm. have you heard of that one yeah i love it yeah yeah that australian opera singer who has deciphered that different cries have different meaning and i think that is such a great tool for the zero to three month old to help you meet your child's true needs rather than masking them with rocking or something else it's just a great educational tool so i love that app
2: yeah it's a
0: nice way to just sort of get i guess you could say get in touch with the different kinds of sounds and things. Things that your baby is doing. And I think, I mean, certainly within reason, I think, especially in those first three months, we're all so vulnerable. And we all feel so intensely about like, I'm doing it right, or I'm doing it wrong, and I need to do it better. And I think that app I love because it's, it's super useful in that way. But like anything, take Take these things with a grain of salt because when we follow something wholeheartedly and then obsess over it, which
1: we tend to do, especially when we're sleep deprived,
0: like then it's no longer helpful. So it's one great resource. Yeah
1: your toolbox yes right you take a little bit from each piece and you figure out what works for you your family so yeah. that's one great tool mm-hmm. and then I really like the wonder weeks write the book or the app that tells you about the different leaps and then they can happen and that one I like to take with a grain of salt because basically you know age week it's like your child will be fussy and you may have to offer more reassurance and it's like yeah okay so <laughs> it's like every other week you have to do that that's right, right. Um, but it's a framework so you- yeah yes framework great word yeah and then, if anyone is looking to, you know, interested in learning more about sleep training, different approaches, I have created an online course that's online on your own time. It's two and a half hours of video. With a horse book to go with it mm. and then the option of joining my small private facebook group where you can ask follow-up questions because i find that's the thing like you read all these books you still have ongoing questions yeah. and who can you ask about that yeah so I have the creative community to have people who have gone through the same thing as you and i'm in there as well answering questions so nice. um, that can be helpful and where
0: can we find that sarah we'll link to all these things in the show notes as well of the podcast but tell us right now as well Thanks
1: you it's www.babysleeptrainingstepbystep.com mm-hmm. and,
0: and your and then your website is helping babies sleep
1: right yeah and you can get through the course through my website as well and then if you just have like really general questions about sleep and you don't need sleep training maybe you've done it already on your own successfully you just have some questions about the leaps and the transitions mm-hmm. i host an online free facebook group called ask the sleep expert with dr sarah mitchell and you can access it through my page helping babies sleep, you can join there as well very just, cool uh, thanks so much for having me today yeah
0: thank you, thank so, you so much sarah and thanks to all of our community lab members who are here listening live we are going to continue the discussion and open up for a q a session with sarah and with all you guys in just a minute i see we have a few little comments and questions already and for everyone listening from home or on the go thanks so much for joining us and we are going to see you next time Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye, bigger kids. Goodbye, all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye, Ayala. Goodbye to Sarah. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together thanks so much everyone the strength in words podcast brings you information tips and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood the place to synthesize that information share your struggles or concerns and add your own ideas and experiences is the strength in words community lab head to community.strengthinwords.com and request to join today do you like the hello and goodbye songs we feature on each episode? You can find those and a whole host of other songs on our Strength and Words Music for Families album, available for purchase straight from our website at strengthandwordscom backslash music for families, or on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Digital Music. If you haven't yet done so, please leave a review of the Strength in Words podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Strength in Words with a friend or colleague. See you next time.